I wish we would could play the theme song over this. That's <laughs> our new theme song. Welcome to issue three of the Weekly Digest. My name is Tim Madura. And I'm Gavin Dillinger, Gerard Way's future best friend. Our first topic of the night, breaking news today. James Wan is set to direct Aquaman. Ta-da! That's a conch being blown. That was my... Your boat horn? Lord of the Flies pull. James Wan has quickly burst on, like quickly just expanded in the past uh, past few years since Insidious. He's gained a lot of weight since Insidious. He has. He got really fat since Insidious. Uh, but no, the uh, creator of the Saw franchise, back when it was more psychological rather than torture, he made Insidious, The Conjuring, and Insidious 2. And then for some reason – he ended up directing Fast and Furious 7, or Furious 7, as it's called. That was a, a huge jump for someone who had you know, specialized in horror. So what I think the connection here is that um, after Saw, Juan directed Death Sentence. He described the film as a raw and gritty 70s-style revenge thriller. I can definitely see the connection between that and Aquaman, King of the Seas. Um, I'm actually going to say... I. I kind of like the decision on DC's part, and it's more of a Marvel decision in that Marvel always – Marvel tends to go with directors that you're not expecting for this genre. John Favreau for Iron Man. He really – like Elf was the most popular movie he had done. I think his only action film experience was acting in the Daredevil film. Oh, yeah. So you know if that's, that, if that's the background this guy has, Elf and uh, being – Foggy. So if that's your experience, Elf, and playing Foggy, you know, that does not sound like the guy you want directing a, a, an, actions, an action film with sci-fi elements. But it worked, and uh, Marvel kind of, you know, played with that some more when they got James Gunn and when they got Anthony and Joe Russo. I think that getting James Wan, who granted did have success, great success with Furious 7 – is primarily a horror director, in my opinion. Um, getting him was a bold decision, but I think it's also a fan-favorite decision. I agree. I think it's definitely – DC was thinking outside the bun on this. It's good to bring on someone who's not – it's not exactly their forte, but it'll be good storytelling. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes with it because he is – I think he's an incredible director. I think – He's capable of, you know, great things when given, you know, medi- he can be given mediocre talent and make something great out of it. And nothing says mediocre talent like Jason Momoa. I don't want Momoa after me. I'm thinking even if James Wan pulls a James Wan on this and he just makes Jason Momoa as Aquaman dabbing everyone with a trident for two hours, that would be a great movie. It would, you know, and 
the violence. Just bring in the insidious violence. So, okay, everyone, close your eyes and picture this. We're underwater. We're in a sea cave. I'm already afraid. All right, you're scared. And you hear something. It's it's a violin going quick and shrill, but it's underwater, so it's really muffled, and you're just kind of like... Which, uh, you know, is, is kind of freaky still. So you you see this underwater orchestra. They're playing the music. Uh, Momoa, you know, kind of doggy paddles into the cave. Do all the orchestra members all have, like, scuba tanks on, or do they have, like, the glass uh, round? They just have large lungs. Helmets. Oh, large, large lungs. lungs. Okay, I, that's I'm all. I'm trying to paint the picture. They're holding their breath for the entire film. And so what pops out of the cave? Or out of the cave, it's a sea urchin with a puppet. You know what happens next? Well, you'll just have to wait and see the film. It comes out on uh, July twenty seventh, two thousand eighteen. So you've only got three more years and a month. And a month. So let's keep talking about DC films. Over to Suicide Squad, also known as a bold move that is probably too bold to be a bag of Doritos. That made no sense. <laughs> DC definitely hit control B on this film. <laughs> seems... <laughs> so, okay, so it seems that DC will be bringing Batman into a more than a guest role in Suicide Squad, judging by the the set pictures and heroichollywood.com. They have rumors that um Batman will be face to face with Amanda Waller. In uh, Bell Rev. Reeve? Bell Reeve. We read comic books. No, it makes sense because, and we discussed this uh, on the last issue of the Weekly Digest, uh, DC thrives on Batman. You look at their titles, it's Bat-related. You know, you look at their successful video games, it's Bat-related. You look at their movies, it's Bat-related. It's Batman that sells, it's Batman that people like. You make them brooding... It's totally cool. Even when uh, DC wanted to do a Lego, basically DC series, they still kept it named Lego Batman 3 because Batman sells. They did, and it was – and if you play the game, it's a Justice League series. You know, even – you know, you, I don't care if the, the mission select is in the Batcave. You're doing these missions with Superman, with Wonder Woman, with Green Lantern. It's a Justice League game. It's kind of like how Captain America Civil War really isn't Captain America anymore. It's Avengers 3 or Avengers 2.5, whichever one you want. Batman sells. It's that simple. And, you know, Affleck is willing to step into the Bat costume for a couple scenes, you know, enough to kind of put his image in the trailer and to let people know he's in there. That's going to help them substantially. Uh, this Batmobile chase alone piques interest. Because as much as people love the Joker, the Joker without Batman is not nearly as interesting. Without Batman, there is no Joker. And without Batman, there's no superhero for the movie to be about. That's right, because Warner Brothers executive Greg Silverman was asked about how DC differentiates their universe from Marvel, with the exception of the lack of success. He decided to use these terms, talking about the future for DC and in regards to their overall aesthetic. So in regards to the future, he says we have a great strategy for the DC films, which is to take these beloved characters and put them in the hands of master filmmakers and make sure they all coordinate with each other. 
You'll yeah, see. because Marvel doesn't do that. No, they don't. They they're all separate movies. Yeah, I. You'll, and you'll see the difference. Absolutely. You know, there. That's a direct quote from Greg Silverman. You'll see the difference. You'll, yeah, you'll see the difference when you see Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Justice League, and all the things we are working on. You know, the things that aren't going to come out until like 2017. Meanwhile, uh, next month, Ant Man comes out. Just saying. And then the following year. And on top of that, let's, let's, let's also stop for a second here. Um, look at, yeah, X-Men has been, you know, it's not even an entire comic book universe, though it could be. And they're still producing higher quality, and they've produced more films than DC. You know, it's within recent years, that is. So anyway, so, you know, of course, being an executive, you can't act like they're at the bottom of the totem pole, even though they are. But continuing on, the interviewer – this is from The Hollywood Reporter. The interviewer asked, there were some complaints that the Batman versus Superman trailer was too dark. Is this a trademark of a DC superhero film in the post-Dark Knight era? What he said, I guess he thought it was a good answer, and it is if you don't think about it. But what he said is really dumb because he goes with, there is intensity and a seriousness of purpose to some of these characters. Okay, let's stop right there. Some? You know, not every character has a purpose. Not every character. Like, like Wonder Woman, she's just wandering around, right? She just walks around, and she's like, I think that person's bad, and beats them up. That's how it works. Yeah, that's why they haven't created a Wonder Woman movie yet. Yeah, because they're... She has no she purpose. She has no purpose. Uh, same with, uh, you know, unlike uh, Green Lantern, who, you know, he had that definitive purpose, and that's what made his film work. Oh, Yeah. It was it was a great film. Critics were raving because there's an intensity to to hate Hal Jordan. So continuing on, he also says the filmmakers who are t- tackling these properties are making great movies about superheroes. They aren't making superhero movies. It's semantics, is what he's saying. He's thinking that if he says superhero movies aren't uh, movies about superheroes, you know, if he says they're different. He it seems like he has this loophole, this way out of it. But if you look at say Kick Ass, it's, it's a movie that's based on a comic book, and it's kind of about superheroes, but at the same time, it's not. Well, who's Big Daddy? Who's Hit Girl? You know, who is Kick Ass? They are superheroes. It's that simple. And you can put whatever spin you want on it, but everybody's going to say, at the end of the day, if people aren't saying. That Batman is a superhero, that uh, Superman isn't a superhero, then your film is not about superheroes. And the only way they're going to say that that Batman and Superman are superheroes is if you put them at the center and you make a superhero film. It's like the movie Airbud. They're making great movies about dogs. They aren't making dog movies. It's not, you know, your generic Beethoven's. You know, actually, when you come at it from that perspective, I think it makes more sense. You know, it isn't a basket; it isn't an athletic dog movie. It's a movie about a dog playing athletic sports. Yeah, there's a there's a big difference here. You know, and when you put it in that context, it really makes the Airbud franchise look a lot better. I guess it's just all how you view it. And hopefully, you view it as. A movie with interesting philosophies and character development. That also has humor, which is an important part. Yeah, because 
I watch my DC movies for humor. I have not laughed harder than when I watched the Joker give one boat a detonator to blow up a boat full of uh, criminals and the boat full of criminals a detonator to blow up the boat full of innocent people. That was the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Great humor. Joker with his wacky shenanigans. I can't wait for Suicide Squad. Oh, yes. Tat- face tattoos. Yeah, come on. What's, what's funnier the, the, than that? The ones on his chest say, ha ha, like, how am I not supposed to laugh at that? It's a subtle reminder to the audience, you know, that, that, that they should laugh. I think seriousness has its place. I don't expect, uh, going back to Aquaman, I don't expect that to have much humor. And I think that's okay, though, because I, I truly do trust James Wan. Maybe I trust him too much. Would you let James Wan babysit your children? How much do you trust him? I would let him film the birth, okay. but he cannot babysit them. make it look very them. gripping. He cannot okay. babysit them. Under, understandable. He's not, he's not known as a babysitter. He's more known as a director. Yeah, and uh, I think I want to use this time and this platform to go ahead and ask James Wan – uh, directly. Mr. Wan, I don't know what day I'll get married. I don't know if it's near or far. But on that day, will you film my wedding? All right. Speaking of terrible executive decisions, the series that Gavin just recently hopped on board on, because he likes to follow the bandwagon. I love bandwagons. It's why I was Who a Seahawks like fan for 12 years. I don't know anything about the Seahawks. They sucked for the past 12 years, or for like nine years straight. They were terrible, though we did get to the Super Bowl once uh, before that. And then we got really good, and now um, everyone's a Seahawks fan. Shouldn't you be a, a Titans fan? I mean, I kind of am, but when I was – okay, this is this is what happened. When I was seven, um, I I saw the Seahawks jerseys, and I was like, I like their jerseys. And I've been a fan ever since, so I guess it's been 15 years now. Huh. And it's interesting because when uh, people, when I told people my favorite football team was the Seahawks, they would give me this look like, really? And I had to explain, yeah, uh, they're my favorite team, and I would tell that story, that I just liked their jerseys when I was seven, and I stuck with it. Now when I tell them, they're like, really? And I have to say, no, I've liked them since I was seven, and then tell that story. I have to say I used to just have to explain why I made a bad decision. Now I have to explain that I didn't make this decision recently and that it was a bad decision for bad reasons at the time. But I'm not a bandwagon fan. It just adds a layer to it. So sports. Interesting. This was the sports corner with Gavin. It's a corner because no one else on the site knows about sports. No, that's not entirely true. Mostly, though. Lumberjanes! Yes, Lumberjanes. Uh, read my first issue of Lumberjanes last week. Loved it. It's just ridiculously fun. It's like what comics should be, I feel. And, um, you know, a lot of people uh, praise it for the uh, female characters and it being uh, women centric and not just being some, you know, stereotypical this is for the girls, ponies and happiness type stuff. So, it's only natural that a successful comic gets turned into a movie. And now thanks to 20th Century Fox, um the movie will be produced and written by five men and one woman, which I believe is a sitcom. Yes, I think uh it was the it was the sequel to that Ryan Reynolds one, like uh, two guys in a pizza place, three guys in a pizza place. I don't know. 
They just had a pizza place. I thought that was the end of multiplicity. No, you're thinking of the end of multiversity. The DC event? Yeah, yeah. It ends with... It gets very meta with Ryan Reynolds and Green Lantern and... And he opens a pizza shop. Yes, yeah, pretty much. He retires and he opens a pizza shop. Um, what's the name of the pizza shop? The name of the pizza shop? It is Pizza the Action. Okay, so if I, if I were saying I wanted pizza, you would say, well, let's go get a pizza the action. Exactly. It's a fun little play on words. Lumberjanes. That's a pun, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, so yes, it's... I think it was last week we covered uh, the Women in Comics panel comprised of men, and the beauty just continues this week. It's just – it's ridiculous. It's a very simple concept. You have – the success, a large portion of the success of the series is the fact that it's different from other series. It is women-centric. Why would you not then continue that? And you can't, you can't say that you, know, you don't have the – quality uh like a quality uh female creator because uh, elizabeth banks just came out with um pitch perfect 2 and it's killing in the box office i will admit i do want to see it um and that's not my type of movie at all so anyone who can you know take something that i completely unenjoy with like musical films you know, make me interested, that's impressive. I think it also helps that I think Anna Kendrick is hilarious. Do you think the reason that no women are attached to Lumberjanes is because all five women in Hollywood are currently making other movies right now? Are they just too busy? They don't have enough women, you think? You know, I think that could be it. I think it it could be that the five women who are successful who somehow made it in Hollywood, are just too busy with all those opportunities that Hollywood has given them right now. Do you think Tina Fey is just – she's just counting all her money? Is that what it I is? I actually would not be surprised on that front. And then somebody somebody like Angelina Jolie, they're just too busy trying to save the world than to make movies based on funny books. No. No, no one has time for funny books. It's not profitable. I mean you got Amy Poehler who's also a create stuff. I feel like uh, when you mentioned Tina Fey, Amy Poehler is like her sidekick. It, it is, um, but I hate to say sidekick because I don't want to make it sound like Tina Fey needs Amy Poehler. You know. Yeah, because we all know that Amy Poehler needs Tina Fey. It's the other way around. That's not what I meant. <laughs> no. Meanie. Yeah, as soon as I said that, my girlfriend was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Take it back. So, Tim, I heard you got yeah. some sweet kicks. Oh, I sure did. Thanks to, is it uh, Adidas? Is that how it's pronounced? <laughs> it's Adias. Oh, Adias, okay. Like an Adidas, Adidas, like someone who takes a lot of Adderall as a suppository. Oh, well, yeah, that's the most efficient way to get drugs into your system, stick them up your butt. <laughs> and then you become an Adidas. So Adidas announced a line of Avengers-themed basketball sneakers. They have Iron Man, Captain America, the Hulk, and Thor. Going along with their, you know, Marvel's latest trend of not having women in Well, I mean, first off, products. Marvel probably th- uh, looks at this and they're like, oh, okay, 
these are the like the this is for uh like basketball shoes um so they probably thought well women can't play sports and women aren't going to buy things with superheroes so it seemed like a double loss for them that's true at which point they then they then put five male writers on a female project do you think there's going to be a follow up um release about like i don't know black widow themed high heels or um Mary Jane's? Maybe, maybe, oh, I got it, I got it. We're going to pitch this to Marvel. Mary Jane-themed Mary Jane's. Like marijuana? Uh, yes, marijuana. How come this podcast doesn't win awards? I don't know. How come we don't have any real sponsors? I think after these <laughs> Mary Jane-themed Mary Jane's take off, then people are going to be knocking on our door, just telling us to to stop. Just stop doing this podcast. We will take money to stop this. Yeah, I mean, I said I'll be bought for a hundred dollars, and I'm like, it's gonna take like one ten for me. Oh, my girlfriend just handed me a hundred dollars. I guess I can <laughs> quit the website. Yeah, were you trying to buy these uh, new Adidas Crazy Eights and Iron Mans? What, that how? Why? What? Those weren't even words. <laughs> But looking at these shoes, you know, the Hulk, that sk- color scheme to me looks a lot more like the Green Goblin than the Hulk. One of the things I love is and, – and we we found this article on Robot 6, the comic book resources sister site that covers like a bunch of interesting stuff, um, is that it says the company uh, Adidas is rolling out a series of retro basketball silhouettes. Based on four of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, these I don't see the retro aspect in this at all. I mean, I'm not a basketball shoe historian, but these look like if if 2010 is retro, then there you go, that's retro. But these don't look retro. Do you see on the Iron Man's shoe, specifically the one on the left? It looks like it said Adidas on the side, and they just painted over it red. <laughs> It does look like that. It does. Um, it also looks like the shoes in the picture, it looks like one of them may be bigger than the other. Well, I mean, they're catering to the people who have mi- mismatched feet. It, it's an under it's an under-catered market. It's underrepresented in the comics industry, and I feel that we need more uh, mismatched feet characters. Can you think of any mismatched feet characters at the moment? Hulk, when only the left half of his body is angry. From shoes to reviews, do we want to talk about Airboy? Let's talk about Airboy. And heads up, folks, there's probably going to be some, if not a lot of spoilers about this. So if you haven't read it yet and you want to, then go do it. It's, it's a great book. But moving on. Airboy by James Robinson and Greg Hinkle. Also starring James Robinson and Greg Hinkle. And lettered by Greg Hinkle. But let me let me just back up. Airboy is a 1940s character. That's really all you need to know to know about Airboy when it comes to this story because it's not about Airboy. It's about James Robinson and Greg Hinkle, and their friendship, and other stuff. Going into this, Tim, what did you expect? 
I had literally zero expectations. I read the image solicit text, and all I knew was that it was very strange. It just seemed very meta, and that is exactly what we got. Amanda Comey wrote a great piece about this on our site, talking about, you know, how is she supposed to hold... She was saying how how she's supposed to lord her knowledge of Airboy over anyone if it's not about Airboy. And the the comic really takes, you know, something you'd expect, like you'd expect it to be. I thought this was just going to be a weird intro of the guy struggling to figure out Airboy, and then it goes into Airboy. No, that's not it. This is legitimately about James Robinson and Greg Hinkle and them just trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do. Which I guess if you have writer's block... Write about writer's block. Write about what you know. Yeah, and um, I did not expect it to take the turn that it did. And, and I'm... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect Airboy to show up either. Yeah. My question to you, Gavin, is which image series has a better opening poop sequence? Airboy number one or Southern Bastards number one? Okay, it, actually, to get into this, I I had a significant amount of disdain for that opening sequence because uh, – the, the opening sequence of Southern Bastards because – and <laughs> this is probably more serious than we typically go on, a, on, on this podcast. But Airboy number one, it's comedic. It's opening with an old guy on the toilet completely naked too. Like he's got, he's got his underwear at his ankles, but he's not wearing a shirt or anything. It, he seriously looks like a slob. Southern Bastards has a dog crapping, and it's doing it in front of all these all these church signs. That really aggravated me because it just seemed like a blatant let's make fun of religion without really going into detail. I mean, if it was if the signs were like if it was a bunch of like uh, God hates queer type signs, yeah. Go ahead and grab your crap and dog and slap them on top of those folks. If it's Westboro Baptist Church, you go for it. But there, are, there is no need, in my opinion, to devote a, an entire panel for unsolicited religious bashing of any kind. I felt that Southern Bastards did that. And for that reason, I give the, the crap victory to Airboy because I feel that the, the Southern Bastards panel was – a needless, hey, we don't like Christianity, so we're just going to have this sequence where we don't list reasons. We just have a dog crapping to kind of be like, ha, type thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so we talked about poop a little. Um... So, you know, you got this, you know, old, old-timey, homey, kind of campy uh, comic book, and they're going to bring it back. And that's not at all what the comic's about. It's pretty much just not about Airboy at all. They use – I don't even want to say the idea of Airboy. That wouldn't begin to cover it. But they use the comic Airboy as a platform for for kind of a self-discovery on James Robinson and Greg Hinkle's parts. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's all about Robinson and Hinkle <laughs> swearing, doing drugs, having, having affairs. Really. Yeah, it's, it's a normal a normal day in the comic book writer's life. Uh, and that's one of the things I loved about Airboy is that it was honest, it was self-deprecating, and it, it just exaggerated. A great comment that one of our writers, uh, Amanda Comey, made is 
soon to be Amanda Osteen, I believe. Or is it going to be, or is Ricky going to take her last name? I don't know. They could always hyphenate it. We'll find out. Or will they keep their original names? Anyways, uh, but as Amanda pointed out, the suspension of uh, belief only goes so far, and for her, it stops when you start claiming that comic book writers can afford drugs. It's funny because there's your exaggeration, you know, them being kind of crappy people and kind of, you know, being just stuck in all this creativity blockage. You know, there's your honesty and your self-deprecation is pretty much everything they do. And the exaggeration, uh, well, largely comes to their genitalia. Do you think that's actually exaggeration or do you think Greg Hinkle has a giant penis? Well, if it's honesty, the 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 angle it twists that is your is your self-deprecation. So it could be honest. Hmm. So according to narcoticnews.com, you can get a gram of cocaine in San Francisco for only 20 bucks. So I mean, even on a comic book creator's salary, I think you could you could afford a little bit. Yeah, but how much how much did they buy? I think it was I think it was it was several grams. That's a bag. And they get heroin at one point. I mean, every drug. Pretty much, I think they do a bit of everything. Yep, you're right. I really like, well, besides the art style in general, which I think really echoes a Darwin Cook, and it has that noir, dark, simple color palette theme, is when they're on drugs, the whole pages start to like slant and shift, creating that I'm-out-of-my-mind feeling. Yeah, it's... um. And the the colors kind of contrasting kind of help remove you from reality. Uh, and I think that's also kind of something else they try to accomplish as when Airboy comes in. You know, he's he's fully colored, fully realized, and uh, Hinkle and Robinson just kind of live in this haze. Um, and so that, that discoloration, that green hue is, is something that, you know – blurs your perspective uh, in a way in a fashion similar to uh to the to well the substances they're consuming yeah and it seems to be like with the appearance of airboy it really brings a it like shines a light on what they're doing or i could say what they're not doing yeah it's like wasting their lives here is it, well and the other thing is it's it's admitting yeah here's airboy he's this wholesome uh magnificent uh, valiant character meanwhile not to be confused with valiant comics yes uh there might be a crossover coming though who knows probably not we'll be the first to break the news can we just call that it's going to happen here and then if it happens we'll just pull an uncle rich i was about to say it works for bleeding cool ladies and gentlemen summer 2016 get ready for an airboy and ray crossover airboy will go to future japan and uh, just, you know, fight the rioters there. It's – I've seen the script coming from uh, coming from, <laughs> coming from from Alan Moore of all people. Yeah, Valiant really dug deep on this. Yeah, they – I mean they've been thriving with fan-favorite creators, and, you know, who's more fan-favorite than Alan Moore? And so it's, it's going to be an incredible series. So – Do you have uh, more to say about Airboy? Um, if you – yeah, I'll say this. Read it. It's just read it. It's it's not for the kids. But if you are a mature adult, it is Or just, if you're an immature adult, <laughs> yeah, that too. That cartoon penises. 
Peni, I believe, is the proper term. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> if you are a M in parentheses mature adult, then you need to pick this up. It is it's one of the most fun comics that you're gonna see this year because of just its insanity and I'm really curious about where it goes from here. So we'll figure that out next month. Let's talk about uh our new segment called Cannonball, where we just jump into ongoing series. This week we have G.I. Joe number 214, which we found out was another silent issue, and it was also solely about the death of Snake Eyes. The, the issue, it was interesting because uh, Tim and I talked about this, and I, I just said, hey, let's jump into something that we have no experience on, and we went with G.I. Joe because it was the highest number we could find. You know, I think after the Archie reboot, maybe G.I. Joe will be the highest numbered comic on the stands. Oh, yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, we didn't read Archie because no one gives a crap about Archie. Now, we're reading... So, I I, I start flipping through this G.I. Joe book, and it's just everyone saluting. I have no idea that Snake Eyes has died. I'm just looking at these people standing there, saluting, they're crying... If you don't know that the character died, it is possibly the most ridiculous comic you will ever look at. Yeah, if you just happen to miss over the giant letters that say The Death of Snake Eyes Part 3, like Gavin did, you won't even know what's going on. Wait, was that in there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the third page. I typically <laughs> skip those pages. Yeah, who needs like the first five pages of a comic? Okay, wait, I've got, I've got to go back and look at this now. Did I legit just skip through something like that? Oh, maybe it's – oh, it's on the – Oh, it's, it's on, on the, the cover. cover. I did not – it's, it's on the cover. On, it's on uh, the second page. Yep. I just I just kind of flipped past that, <laughs> and I'm just watching this. This wolf walks into the camp. I have no idea what's going on. I just watched this wolf walk into the camp. Everyone is saluting, and this wolf just looks at them, and it's it's interesting because the wolf – looks at, like, one guy, and the guy just starts crying. I, I think he looks at him. It's I, it's just so strange that someone comes in and just picks up the wolf and carries him off, and that's – I think that's the last you see of the wolf. Was it supposed to be poetic? Oh, no, you see are him wolf, again at the end. Are wolves important in the G.I. Joe universe? I have no idea. Like, is that wolf a shapeshifter or something? Is this Animorphs G.I. Joe crossover? Now, that's a crossover I would be interested in. Should we go ahead and call it? Yep. 2016 G.I. Joe Animorphs crossover. Suck it, Uncle Ridge. Who's writing it? Uh, I believe it is, let's see, Charles Soule, because he doesn't have enough books on his plate currently. Point, and who's going to illustrate? So on art is actually going to be David Aha, and I believe it's going to start in... 2016, and it's a four-issue miniseries that'll end in 2024, I believe. His books aren't on time, is the joke. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm, I'm laughing <laughs> over here. <laughs> now, is he doing pencils and inks, or is Brian Hitch helping with the inks? Oh, I think, yeah, if, if Aha was inking himself, it wouldn't come out until 2028. So I think Brian Hitch is helping on the inks. Yeah, so somewhere between 2024 and 2028. And, of course, I believe Jordi Belair is on colors because she colors everything. Now, for our last our last segment, uh, 
Tim, I know you're a big fan of Sam Jack. I am a huge Sam Jack fan. So uh, I believe you had a, a eulogy for Sam Jack that you wanted to read? I did, and <clears throat> we have, here we go. Do we have something to kind of set the mood? Uh, yes, I couldn't get – I mean, this podcast is on a budget, so we can't have you know, a real musician come in every week and, and do our music. So I had to find some free bed music and – Some open I'll, source I'll, I'll, stuff. Some open source, and I'll just – I'll play that Public right Public domain, now. yeah. Sam Jack's Eulogy. Samuel Leroy Jackson was born December 21st, 1948. And he's the star of such movies as Coming to America, The Exorcist 3, one of Gavin's favorites, Unforgivable Blackness. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to stop you. He He's well known for uh, comic book adaptations. I think everyone's probably seen it. It's uh, uh, The Tim? Spirit. Tim? Yes. Oh, yes. Um... Yeah, that's that's the wrong Sam Jack. There's there's two Sam Jacks. Well, I mean, I w- I was talking about uh, Samurai Jack. Oh, he was in Exorcist Two, not Exorcist Three. Sam Samurai Jack. I I always get them confused. Like when they first announced the new Sam Jack comic book series, I was just like, why is Jim Zub writing about Samuel Jackson? He's still he's still alive. Didn't you read the entire series? I did. It was really good. So, parts and recommendations. <laughs> um, I would, I would highly recommend it. My review for the final issue uh, went up today, and I think it ends the series as a whole, the comics and the cartoons. And if it ends it perfectly, and if the c- cartoon never comes back, I'd be completely fine with the way it ends. The story of Samurai Jack, if nobody knows, is basically. A warrior in feudal Japan gets sent back in time, and he has a magic sword, and all he wants to do is go home. And so he's fighting the evil overlord, Aku. And this final issue has Samurai Jack finally raising an army um, of people that either have been crossed by Aku or that Jack has, has helped out. It it's very heavily influenced by uh, Akira Kurosawa, um, w- in that it's just a wandering hero. He doesn't do it out of out of fame or fortune. He does it out of the kindness of his heart. And Jack's motivation is is simply to get home. He wants to return to his own time. This may be the final battle between Aku and Jack, and. It ends right before the battle, which bookends the series perfectly. My uh, my recommendation this week is Poorly Drawn Lines. There's a good chance you've heard of it, and if you're not reading it, you really need to. Just PoorlyDrawnLines.com. I believe there is a... Is that a book by Rob Layfield? <laughs> so PoorlyDrawnLines.com. The author has a book coming out soon. It is by uh, Riza Farazmand. Far- Either way, uh, support support the author and artist. You know, get that book because this is really it's it's such a a, a dumb little web comic, but like it's an intentionally intelligently dumb comic, and I've, I've I can rely on it to make me laugh, and that's that's really hard at times. Um, you know, just to have that consistency in humor. 
yeah, my recommendation is Poorly Drawn Lines, and if you have heard of it, because there's, there's a good chance you have, uh, if you have heard of it and do read it regularly, read it regularly more. There you go. All right. Episode 3 has been brought to you by the Dewey Decimal System. For all your decimal system needs, look no further than Dewey. So in conclusion, you can check us out every day at theouthousers.com. Uh, you can support our Patreon, uh, which will go towards paying the writers, paying for this podcast, possibly. Paying site maintenance, and it's uh, probably site. about to actually get an overhaul in regards to its reward system also. Uh, there's some you know awesome stuff happening on the site. We just inherited all the writers from uh, Rhymes with Geek. Uh, so the site's really... You know, if, if you haven't checked out the site, I highly encourage you to, not just because I write for it and, you know, would like you to look at the site. You call what you do writing? Well, like, I just kind of throw words together and just hope yeah. they make sense. You're, you're an artist. You you just throw words at the page. And I'm the Jackson it's, Pollock it's, of it's... literature. <laughs> so you're Stephanie Meyer? <laughs> Feel free to email the site at theouthousers at yahoo.com. You can email the podcast at weeklydigestpodcast at gmail.com. Check me out on Twitter. That's at Tim Madura. Just check me out in general or follow me on Twitter at Gavin Can't Draw. At Tumblr, on Tumblr, Gavin Can't Draw. Same thing, same name, easy to find. I believe that's it for this week, so I've been... Gavin Dillinger, Gerard Way's future best friend. I've been Tim Madera, future, hopefully I have friends in the future. <laughs> All right, till next week. Do your thing, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't care. Have a burrito and then give it to me. <laughs> Like marijuana? <laughs>